Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here. Welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. In today's episode, I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm really well, thanks Coach Steve. One of my friends who is not in the challenge has been listening to our podcast and she messaged me this morning and she's Irish, so I'll tell you what she said. Would you like Nick, to hear? Nick, only if you put it in an Irish accent. Oh, okay, all right. So if Mary Alice is listening, she goes, Love listening to your wee voice on the podcast. I feel like you're here with me. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, I gosh. think that's half Scottish, half something. But anyway, um, how cute is that? Because she always says your wee little voice, the stuff. She's everything's wee and everything's just... wee. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's, we get people listening that aren't even in the challenge. How cool is that? That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And that was uh, Marianne, Mary, Mary, Mary Alice. Mary, Mary Alice. Hi, Mary Alice. Welcome back to the Challenge Weekly Show. We've got a, an awesome episode, Nick. Awesome episode ahead of us. Um, and it's an exciting time in the challenge. We're in week six of the challenge, halfway through the challenge. Uh, and, you know, there's 42 days left halfway through the challenge. Uh, and, you know, now is an interesting time, like always, because we're right in the middle, Nick. At the start of the challenge or at the start of any dieting uh, adventure that we do, you know, it's always exciting. Be like, yeah, I want to do this thing. And you might start seeing some results really quickly because you've, you know, kind of um, grabbed the, the easy to pick fruits, right? You've, you've cut out some some booze, you've cut out some some sugar and some, some um, you know, booze on the weekend and all, that, all the good stuff. So you've, you've made it eat easier you grab all that low-hanging fruit you get to see all these really amazing results at the start everything's awesome really exciting great i'm going to the gym i'm, I'm training this, this program's really exciting this is great and then on the the flip side of the a dieting progress you know towards the end of the challenge or towards the end of your diet it's celebrations again because you know you get to see the the six pack you see the the, the veins coming through and the striations in your muscle and you're getting close to the goal you're getting close to show day you're getting close to whatever event is coming up but Nick, in the middle, in the middle is where it sucks. In the middle is where it's hard. In the middle, you know, there's no, uh, you know, excitement on either side. You know, in the middle is where the work happens. And that's where we are right now. We are at the stage where we had the highest um, failure rates where people, you know, give up, it's too hard, you know, other things get in the way. Uh, And it's the time where, you know, motivation can be low and progress can be slow. So if you're feeling like that, firstly, awesome that you're listening to this because you're, you're, you're more involved. Uh, but then second, hey, it, it's okay. It's okay to, to feel a little bit unmotivated. It's okay to see some maybe progress stalling. Um, but we need to take a moment to reflect on why we're doing this. You know, why is this important to us? And use that to, to drive us and, you know, push ourselves every day to work a little bit harder. Mm, absolutely. Now, Nick, at this t- time as well, in week six, halfway through the challenge, there may be individuals out there who are, you know, not seeing progress to the same level as they expected, um, you know, progress towards their goals. So they might be in a position where they might say, hey, you know, I'm not losing as much weight as I thought, or I'm not gaining as much muscle as I thought, uh, essentially, um, you know, not meeting their expectations to move towards their goal. And I'd like to start this podcast by offering a a, a bit of a framework about how we can make decisions to change things so that we can move closer to our goal, okay? So Nick, first step is to review our goal, 
Okay, so if you're sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I, I really want to lose weight. You know, I'm currently, you know, Coach Steve, I'm currently 100 kilos and I'm, I'm 183 centimeters tall. I'm six foot and my goal is to be 60 kilos, right? Nick, I want to be 60 kilos and I'm currently 100 kilos and I'm six foot tall and that's my goal. Uh, okay, so firstly, we need to review that goal, you know, is it something that is actually achievable, right? Um, and then, you know, the, the second part of that goal is uh, really understanding is it, is it what you truly want? So I might sit there and think, oh, geez, you know, I want to look like Chris Bumstead or, you know, like like Arnold in his prime. I want to look like that. That's, that's what I want to look like. But I want to, um, you know, be 60 kilos in weight. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 the the expectation that I have or my goal doesn't really match up with what I really want, okay? And this is often the case in the challenge where people joining us, they might be a certain body weight, they want to move to another body weight because they think that that's what they need to be, but they really have physique goals. You know, they want to look like their favorite model or Instagram um, influencer or, you know, athlete, and they want to look that way. And those two goals might be, you know, juxtaposing, Nick. So it's for, probably first worth reflecting on your goal, um, what it is, is it achievable and is it actually something you want or is it actually moving in the right direction to what you you know deep down desire okay mm -hmm. The next step is to review your expectations very closely matched with the goal is to review your expectation and let's say again I'm coach Steve I'm 100 kilos I want to be 60 kilos so I want to lose 40 kilos in weight and I want to do that in six weeks time okay maybe your expectations don't marry up. Now, that's not saying I can't get to 60 kilos. Okay, maybe I want to get to 60 kilos because I want to change everything about me and I want to become an endurance athlete and, and swim the across the, you know, I want to swim to New Zealand or something. Nick, I could be really small for that. I got to go do that. So I can be 60 kilos if, I, if that's what I really wanted to. We need to adjust our expectations. How long is that going to take? And maybe on the flip side, if you um, are first time going to the gym, you know, never lifted weights before, and you want to look like Chris Bumstead or look like you know Arnold in his prime, and you want to be able to do that in twelve months' time, heck, even with all the uh, you know supplements other than creatine in the sun, you know, it might take a little bit more than twelve months to achieve something like that. You might be looking at ten years plus or a few decades worth of work. So we need to adjust our expectations accordingly. So if you're in week six and you're not seeing the progress that you wanted. First, review your goal. Second, review your expectations, okay? Now, the next step, Nick, is to review how you are tracking your progress, okay? Review how you're tracking your challenge, review how you're tracking your strategy, review your tracking process, okay? So firstly, we need to review how we are tracking our progression. Now, if you have weight loss goals and your dream is to be a certain number because that's important to you, hey, I'm not taking that away from you. That, that's fine. It's your provocative. But uh, it's worth reflecting and reviewing how are you measuring your progress? Are you looking at the scales or are you avoiding the scales? Are you measuring yourself once a month or you're measuring yourself once a week? How are you actually uh, measuring your progress? Because if you have a magic number that's important to you, but you're not looking at the scales and you're judging your progress off maybe the comments you get from other people, that might not be uh, an effective way to measure your progress, okay? Um, or maybe you're measuring it by how your clothes feel on your body. Uh, you know, maybe you've been using the dryer more, your clothes feel a little bit tighter. You know, that might not be an effective way to measure your progress. So it's worth reflecting on how you're measuring your progress. Next, it's worth reflecting on how you're tracking your adherence. So things like, let's say, our energy intake, our nutrition plan, 
how are you tracking your food intake? Are you measuring and recording everything that you eat? Or are you just kind of keeping a mental track about everything? And you think, oh, well, I just eat, quote, clean, whatever that means. Um, or, you know, I just, uh, you know, track my macros, but you don't actually track your macros. You just kind of eyeball it. How are you tracking your food intake? Then on the flip side, how are you tracking your training, your physical activity? Are you measuring your step count? Are you measuring your training in the gym? Are you measuring how much weight you lifted, how much how many reps you're doing, maybe um, you know how much effort it takes to do those those repetitions and, and and so on. So how are you actually measuring your physical activity? And you know broadly, how are you actually measuring your overall progress? How are you tracking everything? The next step is to review any masks. And I call that masks because they might be masking progression. So, uh, you know, these are external factors and it could be as simple as, um, let's say you are on your menstrual cycle and you wanna lose weight, but you find on your menstrual cycle, you are a few kilos heavier. So you are actually seeing progress, but because of your menstrual cycle, you're kind of masking that progress. Another way we can mask progress is things like, let's say stress, you know, you've, you're super busy at work, you've got a, uh, an important project deadline coming up and you know, you're not sleeping very well, you, you're, your mind's elsewhere, and that's kind of masking your progress. So review if there are any masks that might be masking any progress that you're, you're seeing. The next step is to assess and review for any fatigue. Now, fatigue can come from a range of sources, one being external stresses, Two could be from nutritional fatigue or three from training fatigue. And that can influence things like our intensity. So when you're in the gym, if you're fatigued, you're just not training as hard. If you're fatigued and tired and got low levels of you know, energy, you might not be doing as many steps, right? And then it might be a, a negative um, feedback loop or technically a positive negative feedback loop because we're kind of going down and down and down because we're just kind of tired and you might actually benefit from having a little bit of a break you might benefit from taking the weekend off from tracking a weekend off from training so that you can relax refresh refresh your mentality re re refresh your body then when you join back on you may actually see better progress okay an easy way to measure if you're fatigued is to measure your motivation so if your motivation is low you're probably fatigued, okay? So you might have diet fatigue, you might have training fatigue, and you'll probably benefit from a little bit of time off, okay? That doesn't mean it's an open ticket to eat whatever you want and do nothing, but if you just kind of take a step away from your strategy, whatever that is, you may benefit. Then finally, the final step is to review your strategy, okay? Whatever your strategy is, let it be you're following the challenge nutrition plan, or maybe you have an external coach, or maybe you've, you've cre created your own nutrition plan or training plan, whatever it is, it's worth reviewing your strategy. It might be that your uh, volume is too high with your training, you're training too many days, or maybe your, your training's too low, maybe you're training one day a week. Maybe your nutrition plan uh, has um, too much energy for what you require and you actually need to reduce your energy intake. Or maybe you're doing too few steps, you need to, to increase your physical activity level. So you might need to go back to the drawing board and review your strategy, but you wouldn't wanna do that unless you take a moment to go through the steps that we spoke about. So step one, review your goal. Step two, review your expectations. Step three, review your tracking. Step four, review any masks. Step five, assess for fatigue and review any fatigue. And then finally, we can make steps to review our strategy. And in most cases, for weight loss goals, we are either reducing our energy intake or increasing our energy expenditure. Reducing energy intake, just eating less food, 
increasing our energy expenditure, mainly doing more steps. So that's in a nutshell for anybody who is not seeing the results that they want to yet. Um, and it's a bit of a framework about how we can diagnose what's going on. Yes, just remember you can't out train a bad diet. That's the thing as well. So with your increasing of the energy expenditure, don't think that that's a license to change any anything to do with the nutrition. Because sometimes that does make you hungry as well when you're increasing your expenditure and then you can't help it. You move less and you just want to eat a little bit more. So just remember that as well when you're trying to sort of do, say, your Stairmaster or something and you think that that's the key. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's it, it can be very difficult to expend, you know, 100 calories worth of energy with exercise, but it's very easy to eat 100 calories worth of food, right? And I'm sure yeah. many of us have done it in the past where we just have like a, you know, a, a little chocolate Easter egg. There's 100 mini calories egg. there, right? A mini egg. Um, and that would equate to, you know, maybe an entire gym session. So if you want to try to um, tip the scales in energy balance through physical activity, uh, that might not be the most uh, effective way to do it. It can help. Yeah, sure. You know, add a little bit of you know, extra more steps or maybe you want to supplement with cardio or however you want to do that. Um, but if you are, you know, trying to make that deficit through energy expenditure, you would probably, it's probably easier to eat a little bit less than it is to try to do more. Definitely. Because yeah. somehow you'll end up at maintenance. That's what just happens. Yeah. You'll go, wait, nothing's happening. And it's because you've evened it out by just eating so you feel okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have the community highlights where we highlight some members of our community. Uh, so Nick, take us away. Who would you like to highlight this week? All right, today we've got Karen Allen. So today she says, I did a half marathon starting in Brooklyn and finishing in Central Park, New York. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It was minus two when I started the run and two degrees when I finished. It was a great run. Even though I layered up, I took my layers off too early and the wind came up. I was freezing until the 8K mark. The sun briefly came out and then we were back into the wind and cold. There were quite a few hills and I was able to run, jog all the way up them. I did think it was cruel that the last 800 metres also had an incline. Well done, Karen. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, Nick, you've done a few uh, running events, so it'd be marathons, half marathons mm -hmm. and such, um, but I haven't done one in uh, minus two degree weather. Have you done something in, in, in minus two degree weather? No, nothing. No, only training, Not never minus two, but training in the cold. Um, and you, if you do take your layers off, prematurely what happens is you sweat and then that makes you cold as well so yeah, um, yeah there's there's lots of strategies but i watch a lot of youtube videos of um, people training in say uh london and stuff where it's absolutely freezing and and they uh ice i don't know why i just love watching youtube training videos <laughs> love it well done karen so good karen congratulations mm. Okay, next one I've got is Joe Wallace. And um, he says in the what are you looking forward to this week question on Facebook. So don't forget to check them out as well uh, if you would like to tell us what you're looking forward to. He says squat squats are more squats grow you little sticks although joe has a love-hate relationship with squats because he always mentions them i think he's secretly obsessed with them but he he loves his squats or hates them no i love that joe um yeah i i am looking forward to some more videos of joe squatting and and seeing how he's improved um over the 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 years i think he is nick of joe mm -hmm. practicing squats and uh yeah i think 
once you move into that next rung of the ladder, like where you really nail, let's say, quad training, and that's when you just see this exponential growth of going, whoa, like now they're actually moving. Um, and Nick, I know you've experienced that with things like the hack squat, where you know you mm -hmm. just go to that next level and you're like, oh yeah, now it's just 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 taking off, right? Um, and then they're not little sticks anymore; they're tree trunks, and then you have to try to find new pants to fit into things. Um, yeah. yeah. Good problem hack to have. and pendulum for me all mm -hmm. the way hack and pendulum those two are just the ultimate the ultimate mm -hmm. so now we've got michael lucas so this one's in the time for weekly wins what was your win this week post so don't forget remember i'm just telling you again that we always like to interact with you on facebook so let us know uh, so michael says hit my first 100 kilo squat next is to try two in a row good job michael that's really good uh i love the fact that you didn't go next is to try 120 kilos. You understand that you've got to spend some time with that 100 and um, have some fun there. So there's going to be a lot of fun to be had with your 100 kilos. Yeah. Big congratulations, Michael. Um, I think 100 kilos is such like a mental barrier going from like the two digits to three digits. Um, and especially for, you know, most um, Olympic plates, you know, you have the 20 kilo bar, you put a 20 plate in each side, six kilos, and then the second 20 plate in each side, that's 100, right? It's, it's a big round number. You've got two plates, um, and that is the mental battle. You might have the strength to do 100, and Michael, you might find you have the strength to do 110, and then 120 really quickly, but getting to that 100 kilo mark can be just such a mental battle, and once you're through it, whew, it's, it's smooth sailing. So, uh, Michael, we'll see you at 200 kilos, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's that mental battle. So once you get through each increment, um, yeah, then you look back on it and you go, oh, I don't know what I was ever scared of with that. I remember my 100 um, times probably about five or six years ago where I had to have someone behind me. Otherwise, I just wouldn't do it. Didn't matter yeah. if there were safeties or anything. I just didn't trust myself. So how am I meant to be performing correctly when I don't even trust myself to do it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I hear I hear uh, Nick, I've got a few I'd like to highlight. So the first one goes out to Shah Kirkpatrick. Shah, and she writes, um, in the hashtag setup Sunday, how are you preparing for next week post? And she comments, I'm going to meal prep and set up my training plan for the week. I've had some huge stresses in the last two weeks and I've gone back to old habits to calm myself and get through. I know better, but I don't always do better. Thanks for the reminder. Uh, and I think just, Shah, you know, thank you for showing your honesty. And sometimes that happens, you know, over the over a week, two weeks, a month, we might, you know, quote, fall off the wagon where we might um, change our priorities. We've got other things going on in our lives. And, you know, maybe training gets put on the shelf and maybe meal prep gets put on the shelf and we just kind of go back to our old behaviors just because it's comfortable and that's okay. That's okay. So Shah, big congratulations for being honest. Um, and then here's a bit of an accountability. You know, we see you and we, we hope that you uh, get yourself back on track and, you know, move towards your goals, whatever they may be. Absolutely. Yep. That's all you can do is just get back on track. Nick, next one here goes out to Gemma. And this was on the forum on the Unchallenge app. And Gemma writes, I'm so shattered. I was just starting to get into really good patterns with my training and food and I got COVID and it was totally wiped me out. All I could eat was bread and I've been beyond exhausted to train, so shattered, but finally starting to feel better today. So hopefully I can ease back into it. Uh, Gemma, wanted to highlight you here again, you know, something that can happen to anyone, you know, Gemma's caught COVID. Me just uh, a week ago, I, I 
I didn't feel quite well after my, my son got sick from daycare and I, I really struggled to train and, and, and eat and everything. And it happens to all of us. Um, it's all about how we kind of get back on track when things like this happen. Um, it can be hard, you know, it can be daunting when you were squatting hundred kilos like Michael, you get unwell and you go back to the gym and th then, you know, 60 kilos feels really heavy. Okay. You know, we might have to take a, a step back, but that's life, you know? So Gemma, we see you, we hope you recover well, and we hope that you get back on the wagon and, and move towards your goals. Yeah, absolutely. By now, I reckon you'll be back into it. Nick, final one here goes out to Richard. Again, Richard on the forum of the M Challenge app, and he writes, I've had my fair share of hurdles so far, like anyone else, I'm sure, kids, daily events, injuries, life, etc. The power of the mind can achieve great things. Nobody plans to fail, however, fail to plan, and this could be your undoing. Serotonin levels are on point. Little fist bump emoji. Whew. Richard, mm. again, with... Uh, you know, just being honest, highlighting some challenges that life brings to us. But, you know, if we can plan, we can plan to succeed. Because you don't plan, you're going to plan to fail. Something like that. That's the quote, isn't it, Nick? Something along something those, like those lines. Shane would know. It's probably in one of these books that are behind. Yeah, plan to succeed or plan to fail, something along those lines. But Richard's highlighted that there where he's making plans, he's getting it done, and, and he's just kicking goals. So big congratulations to Richard. That's awesome. Good on you, Richard. Nick, let's move on to our final segment here. We have the question and answer segment. Uh, so let's run into it. First question is actually a bit of a joint question. Okay. So first part comes from D from the forum and D writes, I'm doing the M strong. I've gone from 58 to 61 kilos in six weeks. Not okay. So not really a question, maybe a bit more of a comment. Um, but then this is a joint question with Chantel. And Chantel writes, hi, my weight is not stopping. I've been strict and gaining weight. I thought this program was to lose weight. So I think both uh, Dee and Chantel having some challenges with weight loss goals and maybe even experiencing some weight increases when they're trying to lose weight. Uh, Nick, what advice would you have for Dee and Chantel or anybody who's maybe in a similar boat? So firstly, with D, um, where she says it's not okay, firstly, I, I don't know any of your metrics. So, uh, you know, 58 to 61, it's actually something that can I can do in a day. So I'm just saying like it, it's in my opinion, it is fine, although it is, um, it is absolutely your prerogative to say it's not okay and I understand you're saying um, you're not satisfied. <laughs> but I just want to let you know that, that um, I don't know how tall you are or things like that, but it, it may be that it's not okay because it's it's that sort of uh, weight that you've always said, I'll never go above that weight. Some people have that sort of a thing, but um, there's just that. I just wanted to point that out. Secondly, M strong. So if your goal is to get stronger, often uh, it, it's even though um, you can certainly choose to lose weight, it is a bit counterproductive. So, and I have seen you also on the Facebook group saying you're going to smash some weights and then lose some weight. So you can do that, but I just think it does take a little bit of time. So your, your body is probably also adjusting. Uh, if it's the first time that you've done weights for a while, there's all sorts of variables to do with weight training as well, which is, I mean, you highlighted it before, Coach D, but even just information from training, things like that. Um, I'll go through it in a second again, what, why. But um, I would just like to give you a break, D, and just say it is okay. It is okay. And um you will be okay. I wonder also, what does your physique look like? I reckon that you'll be probably pretty happy with what's going on. 
So just to have the scale as one variable. Um, and I also uh, think that you need to assess those uh, different things at the top. If you want to lose weight, it could be that maybe the, the strength training is making you a little bit hungry if it's your first time. And um, there could be just some, some issues there with, with adherence. And um, I'm not saying that there are, but I'm just saying that that's something to take into consideration because I'm telling you, I might have a break for a Saturday, Sunday, my appetite will go down from, from lifting weights. I might just walk. And then on a Monday, I might do some big training and then I start to get super hungry and I go, oh, there you go. So um, that's just something to think about as well. And Chantel, your weight is not stopping. So you've been strict. So strict in what way? That's the thing. So have you uh, have you done your walking? Because as we've said, the um, the eating is just one portion of the equation. So I'm wondering if you are getting your steps in. That's quite important. That movement. And um, this pro, I thought this program was to lose weight. If you chose lose weight, then yes, you should be losing weight. So let's go through how we can get you to start losing weight. So firstly, if you have gained weight, it could be uh, water retention, which happens all the time um, for various reasons. So you could be extra hydrated or you could actually be not hydrated. And that actually causes you, believe it or not, to hold on to a little bit of water because your body isn't really sure what's going on. So sometimes you've got to watch that as well. Um, extra salt, extra carbs. Um, if you've been, Now, carbs do not cause weight gain in terms of fat gain, but they may cause you to just go up on the scales a little bit um carbohydrates they hide like the, yeah they, they retain water so that's okay water is different to fat um stress and also uh, your sleep quality the reason also for your sleep quality is that it makes you bloody hungry if you are tired you you, you have less control over your appetite when you're hungry uh, when when you are tired Hormonal changes. So what time of the month is it? Have you been weighing yourself regularly? It would suck if you weighed yourself at the start and it was sort of that perfect time of the month for women, which is like one day. It's like Haley's Comet. It's like a blue moon. And then um, you weigh yourself on the day of your period and you think, oh my gosh, I've gone up by this much. And that goes for both of you. And you haven't been tracking it every single day. Really important to do that. Um, yeah, so the muscle glycogen and um, also, yeah, creatine, which is, it's fantastic. It's not going to put on fat. It's going to go into your muscles and that's what's going to make you stronger and actually look better. That's the other thing. How do you look? Because everyone's obsessed with the scale, but how are you looking? How are you feeling? Apart from that, it's not, it's not unsuccessful if you've got some body composition changes that may not be reflecting on the scales, but people are going to you, well, you're looking great. Listen to all the different feedback. So, um, yeah, then there's when, when, when did you eat dinner? Um, sometimes if you eat a late dinner and then you weigh yourself early in the morning, you might have your, your dinner still in your tummy, your gut residue. Um, you might be eating more fiber because often what happens is when you start to eat some veggies and things, that, that will um, actually make you a little bit fuller needing to go to the toilet a little bit more. Yeah, so the measurement error is not calculating the weekly average. We're giving you a lot of info here. Um, and, yeah, also that's very, very interesting to think of, the, the changes from your baseline. So if you were somebody who was maybe living on a couple of coffees a day and then suddenly you've, you've started drinking four litres of water a day, now don't forget I could drink a litre of water now and go jump on the scale straight away and I'll, I'll probably be around about a kilo heavier until I wee. So there's that as well. So first, personally, for D, I have to say respect. 
if you're doing M strong and you have moved that much up in weight, I bet you your body composition is starting to be a little bit different. I, I just do actually think that. So I just have to say, and Chantel, it's good that you're asking these questions. We are here to help. So have a listen to all of that, have a think about it, and then have a think about some things that you might be able to manipulate here because you're in control. It's like going to the bank and going, I don't have enough money for this. What are you going to do about it? It's better if you go to the bank and say, I've done this and this and this, and this is what we can work out together. Nick, good answer, very thorough answer. Um, lots of lots of lots of advice. You probably want to listen to that answer over again just to 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 summarize it all. But I think uh, my 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 ten cents is that you know weight gain can be a very normal part of weight loss. I know that sounds very counterintuitive, but especially when we consider lots of different variables that might be influencing things like water retention and gut residue, it, it, it's a lot. Um, and if we're not taking steps to um, and minimize those extraneous variables through our data collection and doing that in a way that we're averaging out some results so that we can get a good understanding of it all. Um, it's very easy to point our finger and go, hey, you're just gaining muscle. You know, D, hey, you, you gained three kilos of muscle in six weeks. Ah, that, that's a little bit unlikely. You know, what might have been happening is if you were to uh, reintroduce strength training and resistance training into your life, maybe you are storing a little bit more glycogen in your muscles. Maybe you're storing a little bit more high, uh, fluid in your muscle belly so your muscles look bigger. Um, the muscle size may not actually drastically increase, but you know you visibly look like you have more muscle because there's more stuff in the muscle because it's being used more. Um, yeah, again, it's unlikely that we're gaining three kilos of muscle in six weeks, uh, especially if you are 58 kilos, you know, three kilos is what, like 5% of your body weight. That's like saying me, hundred kilos of Steve gaining five kilos of muscle, uh, really unlikely. I'd hope to gain that over the next like three years, let alone six weeks. Um, so it's all about expectations around that. Um, often the case with the challenge, Nick, is maybe that final point you made about like that change from baseline idea where, uh, individuals will join us, you know, they may not. Uh, hydrate themselves well. So they're, you know, living off three coffees a day and maybe a, a glass of water spread out through, through the entire day. And now they're drinking more water. Um, or maybe they never ate any fruits and vegetables and now they're eating more fruits and vegetables. So you just have more stuff in your gut. So the scales are reflecting a heavier weight because there's more of you now. Whereas you actually are losing, um, you know, body fat and are improving the the amount of um lean body mass that you are holding so uh you know there's lots of variables lots of moving parts it can be very normal um but like i said at the start it can be highlighting uh you know some leaks in your pipeline you know so a, a problem with your strategy and if you took a moment to reflect you might really highlight the area where you can improve and also just by saying not okay I'm just going to be devil's advocate here and you might hate me, but that's okay. Um, maybe not okay is you knowing that there's some stuff that you can do better. Let's just say because sometimes people project the stuff where they go not okay. So yeah, just have a really good examination of what's going on. Mm. No, I like it. I like mm. it. Uh, Nick, next question here comes from Mel. Mel writes, listening to your latest podcast. Woo and wondering if you would recommend more reps with lighter weights or less reps with heavier weights. My mm. back isn't the best, so I'm always scared to lift heavy. Okay, uh, so kind of maybe uh, like two kind of parts to the question. Um, and maybe start with that that uh, second part. 
uh, where it says my back isn't the best when I'm uh, so I'm always scared to lift heavy. So first thing I'll say is heavy is a feeling. Okay, uh, it's not really a number. Uh, heavy is a feeling and it's a feeling in point of time. So once upon a time, I thought, you know, 100 kilos on a bench press was heavy. And now it's part of my warm up. Okay, um, whereas someone else, maybe you know, 40 kilos on a deadlift is heavy, whereas Nick would move that around as she's kind of like setting up her deadlift, right? So heavy is a feeling um, and all training that we do should be challenging. So in a way, all training should be kind of this feeling of being heavy because it should be challenging. So that, that that's something first that we need to appreciate that we can't go into the gym and grab the two kilo dumbbells and expect significant changes forever by leaning towards something that's lighter or easier to do. We wanna be doing things that are harder, heavier, more challenging. That's the first kind of thing we need to uh, acknowledge. The next thing is that avoiding quote heavy weights whatever that means uh isn't going to save your back okay um your back probably isn't the best or uh isn't as you said quote my back isn't the best your, your back probably isn't the best because you don't train it the same way you train other body parts so let's say you have really good hips and knees because you squat really heavy but um you know you have a bad back so you don't deadlift or something um you know your knees and hips are probably really strong because you train them really well whereas you avoid training your back so you have a weak back so that's why it doesn't feel the best okay that, that, that might be something to consider as as well now when we talk about the idea of injuries occurring it's the same concept nick as as if we go out to a bar and we're going to get drunk okay so let's say the process of you getting drunk is the process of you experiencing an injury Okay, so you can go to the bar and you can order a shot, right? A shot, a very uh, high intensity um, dose, right? Which is the idea of like a heavy activity. It's like having a shot and you can get drunk probably pretty quickly. So it's a higher risk. Yeah, sure. Um, or uh, you could have lots of maybe standard drinks, maybe just glasses of wine and you could still get drunk. And that could be the same idea as having uh, like lighter weight. So it's really all about the dose that you do. So let's say myself, I lift relatively heavy. And what that means to me is it's at a high, you know, rate of perceived exertion, RPE. I might max out on my squat, my bench, my deadlift, maybe once a week through those activities. And that's enough time for me to recover appropriately so I can do it again. So I have a shot of deadlift once a week. I have a shot of bench once a week and I have a shot of squats once, once a week. And that is a good um, uh, prescription for me so I don't get drunk. So I don't hurt myself, I don't injure, you know, I don't feel those negative effects. Um, on the flip side, if I decide to deadlift every single day at like a quote lighter weight, I would probably still feel sore. I'll probably get drunk from deadlifts, right? So it's all about mm -hmm. the dose that we prescribe to us. So lifting heavy isn't inherently uh, dangerous. Um, it's all about the dose that we do, okay? So going to lighter weights isn't going to save you if you are worried about injury risk, okay? Now, going back to the first part of this question, would you recommend more reps with lighter weight or less reps with heavier weight? Again, we need context for what, right? Uh, I'm gonna assume that we're talking about the main goal of the challenge, which is to build as much muscle as we can or preserve as much muscle as we can. Now, here's the deal. Muscle growth occurs in any rep range from about five reps up until about 30 reps, with some muscle growth even happening beyond 30 repetitions. The catch is that we need to train to a point where we are close to failure. 
So you might do five reps and you're close to failure. You could not do a sixth rep. Great, successful tick. You have uh, successfully applied a dose of training. Whereas you could train maybe 30 repetitions and on the 30 rep mark, you could no longer do another rep. So you couldn't do 31 tick, you have completed a successful dose of training. So you could choose any rep range um, as long as you're getting close to failure. Now, for most uh, inter late intermediate to advanced trainees, it's probably better to train a muscle or muscle group across different rep ranges. So let's say your quads, if you only ever train your quads at, let's say the five rep range mark, because you only do five reps and that's the low that you magically picked that you can't do six reps, but you can only do five and do that forever. Okay, you might benefit from training the quadricep through maybe that 15 rep mark, 20 rep mark, 25 rep mark, and challenging that muscle across different rep ranges for good, um, you know, well-rounded muscle growth, okay? Um, which is in most cases on the M Challenge training programs, as you go advanced, you'll find different rep ranges for different muscle groups. You might train your chest in that five to 10 rep range, then on a different day, you train your chest in the 20 to 30 rep range. So you're challenging the chest muscles uh, across different rep ranges. So uh, Mel, in the short answer is that you can train actually with almost any load that you want, as long as you're taking the sets close to failure within maybe five to 30 repetitions. So it's a broad rep range. Remember that uh, you can't avoid heavy weights or sets should be challenging and it should feel heavy um, and that going lighter uh, isn't inherently going to quote save your back um, if your back isn't the best uh, you probably need to train your back a bit more so it feels like it's the best again mm -hmm. nick next question here comes from peter peter writes front squats i really struggled holding the bar today the same way that was shown in the video it really hurts my wrists and forearms. Any tips or should I just swap the exercise? Also, is it a lot lighter than back squats? I, I needed to half my weight. Nick, what advice would you give to Peter? Sure, when you're just starting out, you, you will need to go lower in the weight. Um, the other thing is you don't, when you say um, holding the barbell, you don't have to sort of hold it like it's a shoulder press. You actually have to use your shoulders to hold it up. So um, when I first started doing front squats back in the day, I actually did ones that I wouldn't recommend necessarily. Uh, you know, the zombie squats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was I was amazing at zombies. I could do like 70 kilo zombies, but I, I also had tr troubles holding on, um, not so much because of pain, just because of bending forward a lot and it would fall off. So um, that also sort of showed me that I was quite weak um, in certain areas of my legs and glutes and things because I simply couldn't maintain that upright position. So it's actually a really good way of um, exposing some weaknesses that then you can work on. But um, so instead of doing zombies, so you can look them up and go, what the hell? But yeah, think of how a zombie walks with its arms straight out. Hmm. Um, you can, yeah, cross the arms over. Um, you can use straps, although I haven't used straps on that. So I can imagine you'd have to be pretty adept with your straps to get it on but I'm sure that that'd be a way to hold it on there um, I would probably also uh, regress the weight even practicing with the actual just barbell until you can kind of get it just sitting there um, without that that forearm and wrist problem because there's nothing wrong with that and just also make sure that your elbows are up sort of parallel to the ground so keep keep keeping them up so you've also got to think of your back being um, 
part of the movement, uh, staying upright. So if you tend to do a bit of a good morning type squat, this is where you will be exposed. So front squats are awesome. Do you love front squats? I do. I do. I've done a lot of front squats in my time. I have now too. Um, but yeah, I did start off not loving them. They're probably one of my favorites, to be honest. Um, and yeah, you could also, if, if you're not that into them and you have limited time at the gym and you don't really want to get better at them, because you don't have to, that's the thing. You don't have to get better at every single exercise in the whole wide world. If it's not your jam, you could do any sort of a quad exercise. You could do a hack squat, leg press, um, back squat, or Ah, safety bar, which I, I did today, and um, they're pretty bloody good too. So if you've ever not tried a safety bar, give it a go. You've got one, don't you, Coach Steve? You've got one in, in, your, in your house. I do in the garage now. Yeah, yeah, they, they mimic a front squat really nicely, but the bar just mm. rests on your, on your back. It's nice. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. And um, I, I feel, actually, I feel a bit of a craving to try my front squat now that I've been doing the safety bar for a while. But um, mm. yeah, I do understand. It really is. I think even back to training people and things, it was something that a lot of people just found pretty aggravating. And I think even with Peter, I, I do remember that you've got it might be shoulder or arm issues and stuff. So, of course, it's going to feel a little bit strange. Um, as Also, the other thing is as women, and I don't, um, I, I guess men the same, we don't tend to have a lot of body fat around our collarbone and stuff. So it can feel pretty uncomfortable holding it there and resting it. That's where you've got to bring your big meaty shoulders into the action as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, Nick, good advice. And I think in the video, because I demonstrated it, um, <laughs> you could see uh, an, an artifact of my um, Olympic weightlifting days of how I held the bar. And of course, I had a full hand grip on the bar. So mm -hmm. you don't need to have a full hand grip if you don't right. have that mobility. So I have enough shoulder mobility to get into that position um, and enough practice to find the comfortable spot. Um, and, you know, if you if you can't get a full hand on the bar, you know, a couple of fingers is fine. Uh, it's, the, the hand placement is essentially there to stop the bar rolling forward. Okay. Um, and then in, in, in weightlifting, you know, it's pre preparing for the, the jerk overhead, right? So you need a, the hand grip. Um, so you don't need to have a full hand grip if you don't want to. But if you are struggling in that position, it might highlight a limitation in mobility. So, you know, if you can't get the elbow up in front of you, you know, do you have tightness in the lats? Do you have tightness in like the shoulder complex, right? Um, you know, is there tight forearms? Because maybe you, I don't know, work at a desk. So, you know, you can't get that wrist extension position. So, you know, if you worked on that shape, in your body you may find other improvements um you know in in coincidentally like you might get better at the way that you do dips or the way you do pressing movements because you improve your overall shoulder function so it can be an interesting one to highlight um but nick like you said we've got 12 weeks in the challenge uh four weeks in this part of the program might be front squats if you need to spend four weeks learning how to do the front squat and you haven't really like progressed the front squat because you're just kind of learning how to do it you may benefit from just swapping that into an exercise that you know, like let's say a, a, a back squat. Like you've been doing back squats, hey, do back squats again. Um, you know, really push your quads, get that quad growth for the challenge competition and then learn how to do a front squat at a different time when you're not in this competition. So there's a, a nice time and place for things like that. Yeah, definitely. Big final question comes from Rochelle, Rochelle, and she writes, just wondering about the importance of timing protein intake after a weight session. Often I'll do my morning weight workouts where I have sip and burn in my water, then go for a walk, then have breakfast, which could, uh, could be over an hour after I finish my weight session. I've heard protein is most effective eaten relatively soon after a strength training workout. 
Is there a best time to have protein after a strength workout to maximize muscle recovery and development? Whew. Good question. I like this mm. question. Okay, so uh, Rochelle might be referring to the quote anabolic window, right? Where uh, it became really, really popular early 2000s, even into 2010s, even now, where you know you got the the bro and the broettes. Hey, bro, you got to have your protein after your try and bro, right? Which is uh, more true. It's actually it is some truth to it, but the truth isn't as um, you know wild and wacky as it's made out to be. So the the context is where people would preach the idea that you need to have your protein after you train, you know, within an hour or within half an hour. That's the anabolic window, and if you miss out on your protein shake or your serving of protein, your session was worthless. No point in even training. Mm. That might be a bit far-fetched. The deal is that after training session, maybe within an hour of training, there is some benefit to having what's called a bolus of protein, a serving of protein. For most people, that's about 30 grams of protein or a protein shake after you train. And that's to maximize muscle protein synthesis or the creation of muscle. Now, when we look at studies that compare that to simply meeting your daily protein requirements, you know, around two grams of protein per day, we don't see any massive significant difference. So if you're looking for the extra one percenters, yeah, you probably want to have a serving of protein shortly after you train. So in Rochelle's case, she would do her session and then she'd go have breakfast. So that would be an easy behavioral change. Um, but if you can't do that for logistical reasons, maybe Rochelle wants to go for a morning walk because that's when you know her friends are there or something like that, or that's the only time she can do it. And then she has her breakfast afterwards. That's fine as long as we're eating uh, our, our protein target throughout the day. Think of it this way, like if you meet your protein targets throughout the whole day, let's say that is maybe 99% of your total muscle protein synthesis. And then if you were to have a serving of protein, time it shortly after your training session, maybe within an hour, that might be an extra 1%, you go to 100%. So it's not something you want to lose sleep over, but if you want the best results possible, you probably want to make that one of your behaviors you do. This is part of the uh, challenge when we try to incorporate maybe like cardio events around strength training. So in Rochelle's chase, uh, case, we do uh, our, our resistance training session and then we go for a walk for an hour. That walk for an hour can delay like nutrient timing, right? Where we're delaying the recovery process, we're delaying the serving of protein, we're delaying the serving of carbohydrate and fat and macronutrients and nutrition into the body to start the healing process from training. So we're just delaying all of that. And then on top of that, you know, you can go into a little bit of the physiology physiology rabbit hole and you think, well, if you're going to be doing some some walking, you are, you know, getting rid of some inflammation in the body, which is, um, you know, uh, taking away some of the muscle building process. So you might be minimizing any potential gains by just actually going for that walk after your training session. So there's some limitations to doing, um, you know, some cardio event after our strength training. Is it going to be uh, the, the, the reason why you didn't win the challenge? Uh, probably not, right? If you are doing the work, you're going to get some amazing re results. Could it be the reason why you don't win Mr. Olympia? Yeah, like maybe that extra 1%, right? Where, you know, we need to start considering all moving parts, but um, that's not one of the big rocks I would focus on first. So in the bigger picture, Rochelle, keep doing what you're doing because you've got to get your steps in somehow and that's working for you. Um, my advice would be maybe you do your strength training session, maybe you have a protein shake 
then you go for your walk for an hour, then you have breakfast, maybe that's a behavioral change you could make. Um, if not, just aim for your daily protein intake, which is about two grams per kilo of body weight. You will tick all the big boxes. Happy days, don't lose any sleep. Yeah, very good. So good. Nick, let's wrap it up there for episode number 105 of the Challenge Weekly Show. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know and we'll catch you next week for episode 106. Yay. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.